0: Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. You're welcome if you have any new visitors here for the first time. Welcome to Numa Church. We love you. Thank you for joining us. If you don't have a church of your own, we, we welcome you to, uh, to be members here, to, to, to be a part of the family here. Uh, we have an awesome, awesome ministry. And yesterday, like I said, we, we had a really good time. I think that was our biggest uh, family fun day that we had um, ever. And it was, it was awesome. And, uh, you know, we, uh, some of us might be a little tired this morning. Some of you may have woken up, <laughs> woken up a little sore. Uh, but praise God, he is our strength when we are weak. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I want to I ask this morning that you turn to the book of Exodus. We're going to be in Exodus this morning. Exodus chapter chapter four, and we're going to be reading just a couple verses here, verses 18 through 20. This is, uh, just to give you a little bit of background, this is after God appears to Moses, and he commands Moses to, to return to Egypt, right? Um, and Egypt is the place that Moses had previously left in fear of his life, if you know the story, and he was gone, he married a, a Midianite woman, so neither a Hebrew or an Egyptian, And he basically started a new life. And he was gone from Egypt for 40 years. 40 years had gone by. And and God appears to him in that burning bush. And he tells him to return to Egypt and bring my people out of captivity. And Exodus 3 and 4, it's kind of God um, speaking to Moses. And Moses complaining and kind of giving God some pushback. And if you've ever been called by God before, you probably give God some pushback. And you have some words for God. Um, This is three and four is is basically Moses complaining, but God promises to be his strength and to be with him. And Moses finally acquiesces and and verse 18 says this. And if you can stand with me, we're only reading a few verses here. Exodus 4, 18 through 20. If you have it, say amen. Amen. If you don't have it, I got you. It's up here. It says, so Moses went back home to Jethro, his father-in-law. Please let me return to my relatives in Egypt. Moses said... I don't even know if they're still alive. Go in peace, Jethro replied. Before Moses left Midian, the Lord said to him, return to Egypt for all those who wanted to kill you have died. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and he headed back to the land of Egypt. And in his hand, he carried the staff of God. That's it. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word that you've spoken over your servant, Father God. I pray, Lord, that you speak it through me, Father. Holy Spirit, I pray that you take over, that you be on my lips, my God, and that we may be receptive with open minds and open hearts, open spirits, my God, to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can take your seat. I've entitled the message this morning, Going Back. Going Back. That is exactly... Man, Brother Ed, we're looking fresh this morning. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Going back. That is exactly what God told Moses to do. Go back. I want you to go back. And, and it's not like he was telling him to go back to like a really nice, you know, that really nice restaurant that you enjoyed last week or, or that really nice vacation destination that you visited last summer. He's, he's telling him to go back to a place that he previously left go back to the place where you've got a lot of bad history go back to the place where there's a lot of pain and, and discomfort represented there like what if what if you had just bought like a like a a new house and and uh, in a nice location and you moved and you settled in you moved your family you started a family you put a swimming pool in you got yourself a dog and then god all, all of a sudden tells you one day i want you to go back to the hood go back to the you can take you can take the person out of the hood. You can't take the hood out of the person, right? Gangster, that's my wife. She's a thug, bro. Thug. <laughs> Man, I I love the day that I moved out of out of the hood. And, and and to some of y'all, y'all are like, bro, you never lived in the hood. <laughs> Pastor Danny was talking about you know when when he lived in like East Los East Los Angeles, and you know that's like I it's like Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't even want to go there, but but. Um, there was a time where I kind of lived in, in not the best location. And, and, uh, I remember wake, I would wake up every night uh, to check the front door because I would always hear noise. There'd be a bunch of dogs barking or there'd be sirens going off or my neighbors would be yelling at each other. And in and, and my neighborhood, there was a lot of, a, a lot of break-ins. So I would wake up very often and, and just make sure everything's good. And then when we moved, I never did that again. I, I felt, I felt safe. And I can't imagine going back to what, to what I left. And, and that is what Moses is being asked to do. Moses had left all of that. He started a new life. He met a nice girl. He started a, a, a family. He had kids. And now God is saying, go back. And nobody wants to go back. Nobody wants to go back to what they left. But I believe that God still sometimes calls us to return to the things that we left. And and you might you might be like Pastor Ryan, don't don't you always say not to go back to the thing that God called you out of? Yes, but I think there are some exceptions where God wants to to do something in your life or through your life, and is going to require you to go back. and And it might not be an obvious calling like it was for Moses. God doesn't often show up in burning bushes like He did with Moses, um, but. But, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and we've got a really good way of, of, of kind of talking our way out of the Holy Spirit's calling, right? Say amen or, or, or don't say anything. <laughs> we, 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 we try to negotiate with the Holy Spirit. That's kind of what Moses did. He tried to negotiate with God. He was telling God, God, I'm not the man for the job. There's, there's probably someone way better qualified than I am. And I think the way that we try to reason with the Holy Spirit, the way that we try to talk our way out of God's callings is by pretending that we didn't hear the Holy Spirit. Because it's not as obvious as when, as when Moses was called. Like you got a, 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 a non-consuming fire and God is speaking audibly. The Holy Spirit speaks differently these days than he did uh, when, when, when God spoke in the New Testament. And so sometimes we try to get away with just pretending we didn't hear the Holy Spirit. Or, 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 or we try to convince ourselves that that thought that we had, that random thought that we had in our mind, it was just a random thought. That's not the Holy Spirit. Go pray for that person. That was just a random thought. Why would that randomly come into your head? Right? If that ever happens and you're not sure, pray about it. And if, if the Holy Spirit confirms it for you, I'm sorry, bro. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And he might be telling some of you this morning, I want you, to, I want you to go back. I want you to go back. You know, when we, when we left Houston, when we were kids, my parents left all of, all of this behind, right? We, we moved to Colorado. We, uh, my parents were done with church, with ministry. And, and, and then two years in that, in that wilderness, as I'll call it, you know, God spoke those words, go back. Go back. And, and my parents, at, at the I, I, don't, I don't really know when, what went on in their minds. I don't know what went in the decision-making process. I know that it wasn't easy. I know that they, they probably tried to negotiate with God a little bit. But God said, go back. And, and, and during this time, my, my, my grandpa, some of you know the story, he was pastoring the church during that time, and he had a stroke. And, and he was paralyzed uh, from, from his left side um, completely for, for, the rest, for the rest of his life. I don't believe that our fleeing from Houston was the cause of that, but I definitely believe that, that God used that to bring us back. And then my dad started pastoring for 15 years, and now, now I'm pastoring. And, and I think, man, God, it's so crazy how God works. It's so crazy what happens when God calls you back to the thing that you left, to the place that you left. I can't even imagine how different our lives would have been had we stayed, I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't have had my, my beautiful girls. I wouldn't have this church. I wouldn't have you as my friends. I I don't even think I'd know God. And, and obviously, yes, that's just my experience. But listen, a lot of times we associate going back with going backwards. And they're not always the same thing. Because, because if God is calling you to it, God doesn't move us backwards in his plan. He is trying to move us forward. But sometimes moving forward in his plan requires us to move back. So maybe God sends you back to that church that you left a long time ago and you left on bad terms and you left because someone hurt you or because someone said something to you or about you or about your family. And so you left and God is saying, I want you to go back because there is a healing that needs to happen. There is some forgiveness there that needs to be restored. Maybe, maybe you lost your job and now you feel like you're moving backwards in life. I should be here. But God is trying to take you to a different level of thinking. Maybe he's allowing this time for you to develop a dependence on him and not on where you think you should be in your career. See, there are seasons in life, church, where we have to leave. There are seasons where you have to leave. If you just came to Christ... There are certain things, there are certain people, there are certain habits that you got to get away from because, because those things might be too powerful in your season to resist not going back to what God doesn't want you to live. And so, if you, for example, if you really if you just got out of a really bad relationship, you don't need to be playing games with that person anymore. You don't need to be sending them messages, you don't need to be hitting up their DMs, you don't need to be like, what you doing? You just leave. Leave, leave them so that you don't fall back into a relationship with them. But maybe a few years later goes by and now you're in a different place. Now your maturity level is, is, is at a, an all time high because God did some work on you and you are in a more healthy, spiritual and melt mental state. Now you can go back because you can handle their nonsense before you couldn't. Now you're not phased by just being in the same room as them because you've grown up. You know, some people ask me all the time. They ask me, Pastor, when they, when they first come to Jesus, when they're first saved, they're like, Pastor, can I, do I need to stop doing this? And sometimes, like, you should have never been doing that, right? <laughs> but, but, but a lot of times, the thing that they're asking about is not, is not sinful on its own, but it might have the power to pull them in to a lifestyle that is sinful. So, yes, yes, you might need to stop doing that. Right. Because, because, because fire, listen, fire in the right hands, fire in the right hands can be contained. Fire in the right hands can be contained. Like, like I know personally, I know the destructive nature of fire. I know that it can kill. I know that it can, uh, that it can consume. But I'm not freaking out every single time I light a match. I'm like, no, I can't, I can't play with fire. My mom said no. I, 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 don't, I don't do that because I, I, I know that I can handle it. And yes, I know that there are risks and I know accidents happen. But I, I am confident in my maturity level to be able to handle a match. My two-year-old daughter, I'd be freaking out if she had a match. Because those are the wrong hands, right? Sometimes you have to leave something so that it doesn't consume you in your weakness. The thing is not necessarily calling you into sin. It's not necessarily wrong, but you have to, you have to be mature enough to know when it's time to leave. But there's also going to be seasons where God says, go back. There's going to be other seasons where, where God calls you back to something because he knows now you can handle it differently. You've done some growing up. You've built built that faith muscle. Verse 20 says, Moses took his wife and his sons. He, He took his entire life. Everything that he cared about. He put them on a donkey and he headed back to the land of Egypt. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine Imagine me getting married to my wife and then spending 40 years talking about, oh, man, Egypt was terrible. Thank God I got out of that. 40 years just to, complaining to her about Egypt. And then one day I'm like, hey, we got to go back to Egypt. And, and I, I'm not going to go back by myself. I, I want you to go with me. Look at the last part of that verse. It says, in his hand, he carried the staff of God. That That's key. That's key. In his hand, he carried the staff of God. Moses wasn't going back the same way that he left. Moses Moses left in fear. He's coming back with confidence. Moses left confused with an identity problem. He didn't even know who he was. He was, he was born a Hebrew, raised by Egyptians. Like, who am I? Even now he's going back with answers. Now he's going back with the great I am. It doesn't matter who I am. It's he who sent me. He's going back now with the power of God in his hands. And some of us are afraid to go back when God says go back. Some of us are afraid. I'm I'm speaking to somebody. Some of you are afraid to go back because the kukui. (laughs) I love that. I love that song. I went to the enemy's camp. Right? And I man, Sister Leah gets down with it, man. I went to the enemy's camp to do what? To take back. Not to play. Not to play. Not not to hang out. Not to see how everybody's doing. No, no. I, I went back to take back what was stolen from me. Right? See, see, because the first time, Brother Mikey, the first time I had to get out of there. I had to run as fast as I could, as far as away as I could. I didn't have time to think about anything or bring anyone with me. I had to get out for my sake, for my sake. Sometimes you have to think about your soul, your own soul, because no, you can't take anyone with you to heaven. You can't. You can't. Take, you got you to gotta worry about your, your soul's sake sometimes. But then God is going to say, okay, you've built that faith muscle. Okay, you've grown. Now it's time to go back. Now it's time to go back for the things that you didn't take with you the first time. So now I'm going back for my family. Now I'm, now I'm going back for my children, those friendships that, that at the time were no good for me. Now I'm going back for them because I'm going to be an influence to them. Come on. And you know what? I'm not going back the same way. Now I've got ammunition. Now I've got power. Now I've got anointing. Now I've got the word of God with me on my side. Go back, man. Go back. I don't know who God is talking to. I don't know what he's telling you to return to. But if he's saying it, do it. Do it. And I'm not saying go back to sin, okay? Oh, pastor said, I can go back to my old life. No, no. No, you don't go back to your old life. But there were some things, there were some people in the old life that you had to leave at the time in order to start a new life with Christ. But now that you have, now you can return for the stuff that you left. Sometimes Christians leave. We leave that, that environment, that toxic, that toxic, those toxic relationships of our family. And we leave and we go to the church and we just stay in the church. And we don't go back to rescue the lost. We don't go, we, we, we're alive now, but there's still a lot of things that are dead there that we care about. But because we're afraid, we stay in the church walls. And that is not what God is calling his church to do. God has called his church to be the church outside of the four walls of the church. That is what he is calling Maybe you had to, maybe you had to part ways with with some family members at the time, and that's probably one of the most things that I hear when somebody first comes to Christ. Pastor, I, I had to, I had to just get away from my mom because she's crazy and she she judges me and she criticizes me for going to Pentecostal church. She criticizes me from going, for for going to a Christian church and like it makes me feel bad and I and I I can't handle it. Okay, give it a couple years of growth. You got to grow up. If you're still saying the same things after 10 years of being in Christ, you haven't grown. Maybe at the time, their criticism you couldn't handle, but, but <laughs> it's time to grow up. Maybe at one time, you went into a ministry that you weren't ready for. And it hurts you, and it burns you out, and, and you realize how needy people in the church can be. And you're like, you know what? I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come to church. And ministry it's just it's been tainted in your mind. But now you've grown up, now you've matured. Now you can go back. There was a season to leave. Now it's time to go back. There's something I want you to understand as well. The place that God Wants you to return to isn't always the place that you think it is, or or the place that you remember it to be. Um, my my wife she uh, she used to be she used to be worse at this. She's gotten a lot better, but um, early on in our in our marriage, we would go to different restaurants, and and when it comes to food, I'm not hard to please, man. You can give me a sandwich, I'm good, right? But 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 she's she's a lot more picky. And so sometimes we'd go to a restaurant and I would have my meal and I would enjoy it and she would have her meal and she would not enjoy it. And so she would tell me and I'd be like, oh, well, I guess this is the last time I'm coming here. Right. Because it's just like it's, it's been blacklisted or, or sometimes you have a bad customer service experience. And if there's anything Pastor Melissa hates more than anything else' is bad customer service, do not give her bad customer service. She will cut you. There' there's this one time there's this one time we went to Sonic. We went to Sonic, and I got her permission to, to, to tell this story, because sometimes you never know i've gotten in trouble I 've gotten in trouble, man, before. She's like, "We need to talk about that sermon. Uh, so I asked her. But <laughs> there was this one time we went to Sonic. OK, Listen to what I said: Sonic. Okay, wasn't Taste of Texas. It wasn't, it wasn't Tamagotcha. It wasn't, it wasn't a five-star restaurant. It was Sonic. And she ordered this $2 cherry limeade and, and which we were going to share, by the way, I think that's probably why I haven't completely forgiven you. Uh, but, but she was driving, she was driving in the drive-thru and, and she has this exchange, this interaction with, with the, with the person on the register. And, and she says that, that he was just extremely rude. And I say he was just a Sonic employee. Like I don't have high expectations for people who work at Sonic ever. Like I'm going there for something to drink. I'm not going there, you know, for their customer service. But and we actually got in a fight. Like well, it was, it was. We got, we got heated. Like I was like, babe, like you need to lower your expectations for some people. And she's like, no, they need. They, I'm, am a woman of principle, and I, I could respect that. But, but, but she drove off, man. We didn't get it, All right? We didn't get it. I wanted that cherry line made. And, and so, anyways, so any anytime she has a bad meal or a bad experience, you know that restaurant is just is, is blacklisted. I'm I'm a lot more patient. You know, sometimes people have bad days. Sometimes people have bad days. And I, I'm guys. I feel like I'm so nice sometimes. Like I, I give people the benefit of the doubt. Like hardcore. This other no, we were, Saturday. No Friday. We kind of had the same type of relapse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I was driving this time and, and i was dealing with the guy and, and he was very he was very short yeah he was he was kind of kind of rude i guess and and then and she i, I ordered and she was like i would have i would have driven off and i was like babe what if what if he has asperger's what if he's got all th-? like i'm like hardcore giving people the benefit of the doubt and he probably did it he probably was just rude but i wanted my jamba juice and we got it um <laughs> But, but so many times, what I'm saying is so many times in life, we allow bad experiences to represent the whole. It represents the whole. We're not able to separate our experience from the place. And that's why I say sometimes the place that God calls you back to is not the place that you think it is. So so when we leave a certain place or a certain season in life, we just look back and we see darkness. For all of his life, Egypt represented to Moses pain and confusion and identity crisis. And he resolved in his mind, I'm not ever going back there. Because his personal experiences affected his perspective. But God wasn't seeing it like that. To God, Egypt represented something else. It represented a birthing of a nation. It represented a miracle that would echo to, uh, to, to, to eternity in this human age. It represented an introduction to Yahweh, to his people. And Moses was privileged enough to be called to it, but Moses wasn't seeing that. Not at first. Moses was saying, man, I, I still got some bad blood there. I got some enemies there. I got people looking for me. I don't want to go back. Like I said, sometimes I, I wonder where, where my family would have ended up, man, if we had never come back, if we had just stayed and, and not said yes to God. But you know what? Can I tell you something this morning? Simply obeying God, obedience, and faith will be the very thing that empowers you. Obedience and faith activate something, it activates something. When you are obedient and, and when, you, when you say yes to God, even if it's reluctant, but you're moving forward because you have faith, something gets empowered, something gets activated. Now, this doesn't negate you know, a personal relationship and, and, and a prayer life, but sometimes what sparks that empowerment is simply obeying God. I think about Moses. Moses didn't know God before he was called. He didn't have a relationship with God at the time of his calling, at least not in the same capacity that it developed into. This was the first interaction Moses has with God. This is God's introduction of himself to Moses. The same thing happened with Paul. Paul didn't have a relationship with Jesus when he was called. But the thing that put God's plan into action was what? Their obedience, their faith. And I think, I I, I take that and I think about my family as well because when we were living in Colorado, we didn't have a relationship with God. And I'm sure some people thought, how how did Pastor Juan Cantu become the pastor when he wasn't even walking with God at the time of his calling? Faith and obedience brings empowerment. Because Moses said yes to God, the power of God went with Moses. Because, Because Paul said yes to God, the Holy Spirit was with Paul. So whether, whether God is calling you to go back or to move out or to stay put, obedience will empower you. And some of you haven't been obedient. Some of you haven't been, been filled with faith yet. And you're asking God, activate something in me. And he's saying, just move. And sometimes we're like, but God, I don't want to go back. And he's saying, I'm not telling you to go backwards. I'm just telling you to move. You don't need to ask questions. Just move and watch what I'll do. Watch what I'll do. Man. And it's going to empower you. You know why? Because, because God is choosing to, to use you. And when God gets a hold of something, great things happen. Great things happen. All you, all you have to do is say yes. And there's going to be some, some obstacles, but because you said yes to God, nothing can come against God's plan. Nothing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're stuck. It doesn't matter what you're in front of. God will make a way as long as you've got the faith and the obedience The only thing that changed about Moses when he returned to Egypt was now he had the power of God with him. He carried the, 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 the power of God in his hands. And now I, I imagine Moses getting to Egypt with his staff. And, you know, Moses was a very shy and, and timid person, right? He had speech issues. He probably wasn't very confident. He's probably that kid in the class that you may, maybe made fun of because you thought he was a little bit odd and and then to make matters weirder, he's, he's carrying around this giant stick with him. Like, Who does he think he is? Who is this guy? And he gets to Egypt. And if I'm Moses, I'm like, I don't really know how to use this thing. All I, all I remember doing is, is, is just letting it down when God said let it down and it became a snake. And then he told me to get it. That's, 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 there's no on button. There's nothing that I can do to activate this thing. It's simply what? Obedience. And that was Moses throughout this whole process. If you read through the Exodus story, Moses, he becomes frustrated. He he wants to quit. He tells God, God, your people are discouraged. They don't listen to me. They're discouraged. I went to Pharaoh once and he refused. And now I'm going back to your people with my head down saying, no, Pharaoh said no. And now they don't believe me. And you want me to go back to Pharaoh again and demand that, that he release your people? In chapter 6, 29 through 20, uh, 28 through 29, is what Moses tells God. When the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, he said to him, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, everything that I am telling you. But Moses argued with the Lord. Saying, I can't do it, I'm such a clumsy speaker. Why should Pharaoh listen to me? Even once he went back, it wasn't easy. And it never is. Now, this is what I want. I want to shift to this now. Because once you go back, whenever God calls you to anything, it's not going to come without a struggle, it's not going to come without failed attempts. You are going to, fa- God is going to let you fail. God is going, God is going to let you strike out sometimes. And that's going to surprise you. Can I tell you, can, can I just be honest with you? God is going to tell you that you have the victory. And then you're like, all right. And you're going to step up to the, to the batter's box and you're going to swing. You're going to Miss. And you're going to get frustrated because God, you said I was going to win. You said I had the victory. Why are you letting me fail? He's going to allow that to happen. And you know what? Every time you go back, every time you go back to what what God has called you out of, you have to understand that you are confronting an enemy. There is an enemy there. And you read the story of of the Exodus, and and they did plague after plague after plague. Ten plagues. And Pharaoh was still so stubborn. The enemy is stubborn. He's not just going to give you the thing that you went back for. He's not just going to hand it over to you. And there's going to be times when God calls you back to something, and and you're going to get there, and you're going to want to leave again. Because you're going to remember The enemy. You're going to remember why you left the first time. It's all going to come back to you. And it's going to discourage you when you don't see the power of God right away. Does that not discourage us? When we don't see the healing right away. When we don't see the miracle right away. When we don't see the provision right away. And you're, 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 you're calling on God and you're like, God, You said. You said. My daughter tells me all the time. I can't, tell, I can't tell her anything without her calling me to it. Like, you said this was going to happen. You said you were going to play this game. You said you were going to take me here, so I can't say anything now. But God tells us things. God mixes these promises, and, and we don't see it happen like that. And we're like, God, you said, you said I was going to have the victory. Why am I missing? Why am I failing? Why does it feel this way? Maybe it wasn't you. Maybe you didn't speak. Maybe I did convince myself that it was you you and it wasn't. And so you leave again. Empty handed. No, when when God sends you back, it's not to leave empty handed. When God sends you back, it's not to lose. It's to win. It's to have that victory. And you might not get it right away. You may not get it right away. But you have to put some faith in it. You have to put some obedience in it. Most scholars believe that the time that it took for, for the exodus to actually happen, the exit from, from Egypt, was up to a year. A year. We read the exodus story. We, I mean, we get it through it, you know, within 20 minutes. But they believe it was about a year from the time Moses got back to Egypt to the time where they they fled. I'm going to have the worship team come up. A year. Think about that for a second. I mean, and this is a year of working. This is a year of trying to accomplish the thing that God has sent you back for. And you're failing and you're failing and you're failing and you're failing. And and my question is, God, why, why couldn't it be like three days? Why couldn't it be that simple? You know, when God promises you something it's it sounds so simple. when God promises you a healing, when God promises you a victory, when God promises you anything it's it's so simple, isn't it? What do you tell Abraham? Go leave your country to a place that i 'll show you i'm going to make your descendants as numerous as numerous as as, as. As uh, the, 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 what is it? The sand. Sounds so simple. And Abraham went. He didn't even get to see the promised land. They had to go through Egypt. Egypt had a, a purpose. Egypt had a purpose. And this is what I want you to understand. Your darkness... Sometimes it has a purpose. Because if it wasn't for Egypt, if it wasn't for for Joseph, for Joseph, there wouldn't have been descendants in Egypt. There wouldn't have been a people to rescue. Sometimes we got to thank God for what he brought us out of. Don't be ashamed of it. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. Because he did something through it. He did something in the midst of it. And I know that the promise, it sounds so much, it just sounds so simple. Like it's going to happen. But it didn't happen right away. Moses confronts Pharaoh and he refuses. He confronts the enemy and he refuses. Every time he go back, there's going to be an enemy. There's going to be something to fight against. There's going to be something to resist because he doesn't want to let go of, of what he thinks belongs to him. Pharaoh refused to let God's people go. And so if I'm Moses, I'm like, God, what's going on? You said it was going to happen. You, you told me to go. Take your people out. It's been like a year. We've gotten nowhere. And you've dropped all of these plagues, locusts, frogs, skin boils. You've attacked livestock. And I've been obedient. I've been faithful through all of it. Where's the miracle? Where's the miracle? How many times have you told God that? Asked God that. God, where is that miracle? Where is it? My absolute favorite part of the story, I think it's everybody's favorite part of the story. Is when, when Pharaoh and his army are closing in on Moses and the people of God. And they're stuck. They can't go anywhere. They're stuck. And in their stuckness, they're confused. They scream at Moses Why did you bring us here to die? I thought you were led by God. You're a false prophet. You must be a false prophet because the vision you had didn't come to pass. And now we're stuck. Look at where you brought us. And if I'm Moses, if I'm the leader, I'm like, this does not look good for me, God. All I've done be obedient all I've done was been faithful that's all I've done I didn't orchestrate any of this it wasn't my vision it was your vision that you imparted upon me and, and, and I've, I've brought your people to this place something's gotta happen something's gotta happen something's gotta happen when you're stuck something's gotta happen when you get to that place of hopelessness, something has got to happen. You've got to start telling yourself that. When I'm in that place, when I'm stuck and I'm surrounded by my enemies, but God made you a promise, you've got to start declaring something's about to happen. Something. I don't know what it's going to be. It's not going to be by, 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 by my strength. It's not, I don't have a plan for this. So something, something's going to happen. God didn't use Moses just to take his people out of Egypt. God used Moses so that God would demonstrate his power. That's something that we don't, we don't always realize. We just think, okay, Moses was, was the guy who, who led him out of, of Egypt. No, no, no. Moses Moses was the guy who brought him to a place where they couldn't go anymore. <laughs> Come on. Moses was the leader that led them in front of the Red Sea with an army chasing them. That's who Moses was. The calling of Moses wasn't just to take him out of Egypt. It was so that God would demonstrate his power for all the world to see. And a miracle that would resonate and resound and echo into eternity. This is a miracle. This is a miracle that we talk about. This is a miracle that in the Old Testament, God always says, remember what I did in Egypt. Remember what I took you out of. And not just you, but everyone around you. I want everybody around you. I'm bringing your enemies so close so that they could see my power. And you want me to send them away. If I send them away, they're not going to see this. Hey. It's all about this moment for God. See, sometimes God will let you get to that place where you're stuck. He causes all these things to happen just to make you stuck. But that's when we say something's about to happen. That's when breakthrough happens. For for my family, I think that moment was when we got that call that my my grandpa had his stroke. We're thinking, man, what the heck is going on? My grandpa basically told my dad, "I, I need your help, come back. My dad had his business and we had a nice little house and our life was restarted and now we're stuck. Don't always think that when you're stuck, you're hopeless because if God orchestrated it, You're exactly where he wants you to be. And the recipe, the formula for a miracle is in place when you're stuck. The formula for a miracle is in place when you can't do anything else. When the doctors don't have an answer. When the experts don't have an answer. That's where God is saying, all right, we're going to bring everybody in. And you're going to watch. What's going to happen? You know what I was praying this morning? I was praying, God, let this be a place of miracles. But not just, I don't, look, God already did a miracle in my life. I don't need to be entertained by God, I don't need it. I don't need to see a miracle. But I said, God, some people do need to see a miracle. So I want want things to happen in here that people out there hear about. And they start to line up at the doors to hear about what what is going on in this church. What is happening? And I started, man, I started getting real specific with God. I said, God, bring a blind man in here. Bring, uh, I I mean, I I tested him. I tested God. I said, God, bring a blind man in this building. Because when you do, we're going to pray. And we're going to believe. And that blind man is going to see. And he's going to go outside and he's going to declare, he's going to testify. Because that is what a miracle is for. It's for a testimony. (laughs) Testify when God does something in your life. Don't hold it inside of you. And I said, God, I want that blind man in here so that we can pray. And so that you can do a healing. And so this whole community starts to hear about it. And that's how we're going to grow. By people seeing your hand. God is going to make you stuck. He's going he's to bring you to a place. Or you, you can't do anything else but depend on God. I stopped preaching my sermon. I don't even know I'm out anymore. Moses. Moses went back. Think about Moses. He, he, was, he was reluctant to say yes to God. He says yes to God. And even, even when he goes back, he still has these moments with God, right? We just read chapter 6 where he's complaining with God. And he's like, God, I, don't, I, I still don't think you did this right. I, I still think that I'm the wrong person for the job. But when God sends you back, don't, don't think that, that God took you out just for that to be your only moment of growth. He will send you back so that you can have another moment of growth. Because when you go back, you are going to confront that enemy that you didn't have the strength to to stand in front of before, but now you do. And and it's going to be difficult and it's going to be a learning process. But you're going to come to the realization that, man, my God is with me. My God is for me. And for the very first time in the story of Moses, we see his rhetoric change right here when they're stuck, right here when they're right in front of the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army is behind him and, 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 and they're telling him, why did you bring us out here to die? Listen, listen to the confidence of this shy, timid man with a speech impediment. He says, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. That's a different Moses than the one that we see before. See, because God will often take you out of a place so that you can grow. And then he'll send you back so that you can grow even more. I don't know where God is calling you today. I don't know if he's calling you to to go back, to stay put, to, to, to move forward. But don't let fear overcome you. Don't be afraid of what is unknown because the power of God will equip you. The power of God is in your hands. I invite you to stand. I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to invite you to step forward this morning as we pray and as we believe. Can we just declare that this morning? Can we just declare right here at these altars that this may be a place of healing, of of miracles so that the world would see, so that East End would see, so that they would hear about the greatness of the things that God is allowing to happen. Can you come forward this morning, church, as we pray on behalf, As we stand in the gap on behalf of those who need to see the miracles. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on NUMA Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.